Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Joshua chapter 3, verse 11 says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men. Man, this sounds like what we started with last week. Take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord shall rest in the waters of Jordan once they get to that spot that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above and they shall stand upon an heap There's more to this talking about the banks overflowing at this time of harvest. But by verse 17, we know that the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. That's what the Bible says. So I want to preach for a little while. Last week we tried to Take some focus on getting negative voices and really not just negative voices, ungodly voices out of our life. And even if it's 10 verses two, let's get the people who believe the report of the Lord in our ear, not the people telling you your marriage can never make it. And the people telling you your, your fear can never be gone and your trepidation can never Oh, let's get those, if the Lord gives the word, let's get those, let's get that Joshua and Caleb into our, into our corner and let's hear what the Lord is saying. And here we are after this long period of time reading now about the choosing of 12 more from the tribes and the crossing of the Jordan. And from the text today, I would preach to you, my assignment is to try and relay about wading in to the promises of of God through faith. And I will do it under this titled assignment, wet feet on dry ground, wet feet on dry ground. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together in this house. I pray that you would help me, help me to preach with wisdom, clarity, and anointing. I pray, oh God, that your work would be done in this house today. Every person desiring a touch from you, I pray that they would, in fact, wade into your presence today. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Wet feet on dry ground. Forty long, slow, painful years. 
because a couple negative Nellies encouraged seven or eight other dudes to go along. And we know there will be, as a result, unnecessary fear, unnecessary wandering. You know, there's been a great statement going around over the last several years, not everyone who's wandering is lost. I think Jeep might have coined that. Pulled up behind a Jeep just the other day, and all you Jeep people in the room pulled up behind a Jeep the other day, had that on their spare tire. Not all who wander are lost, to which I would rebuttal and say, but a bunch are. And just so we're clear, in case my accent isn't, I'm not saying wonder, I'm saying wander. Wander. And they were wandering and it felt reckless and it put them into fights they didn't need to be in. Can I tell you that when you are wandering out of God's will, it will engage you in battles you don't need to be fighting? Yes, it will. It'll get you into arguments that you shouldn't be in proximity with. Trying to rebuttal and fight against. Let me tell you this. Don't try to get in somebody else's fight. If it's not the will of God, stay out of it. If God puts you in the battle, you'll know because he'll be with you. It's a dangerous thing to try to fight without God in your battle. But they're fighting against people that they're not meant to be fighting against. One of the greatest things they had to deal with was bickering amongst each other. Weren't there miracles in the wilderness? Absolutely there were because God was a God of keeping and provision. But now we come to a place at our text where God's people of purpose stood on the precipice of this promised land. Their leader, that faithful and faith-filled Joshua, who had been the very one that would fight against the Amalekites in the valley while Moses was there upon the hill and Aaron and her would be holding up the hands. Joshua now assembled a new generation of Israelites and their time had come, but their faith would once again be tested. I need an amen from a few people that have been or just around long enough to know if you're going to have a new victory, faith is going to be tested in a new way. It's just the way it works. There are no easy wins in the kingdom of God or even in life in general. If you're going to get a God victory, you're going to have to be willing to employ your faith. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The late Eli Hernandez used to say it publicly this way. You spell faith R-I-S-K. When I first heard it, I thought, no, that's how you spell risk. And then I recognized what he was trying to say. And I, I feel like I've got several hundred witnesses in the room that have had times in your life where you looked odd in front of people because you were trying to walk in faith. You looked silly, maybe even to family and to friends. And all you were doing was trying to walk in faith. You walked away from a job. Maybe you walked away from Brother Galleon, even a pastorate to take a role. Maybe you had to come to 
IBC. Now, to me, walking away from Alaska to IBC is it's an exciting thought. But I'll probably get texts from Alaska sometime today. How dare you? But for some in this room, it was leaving family and friends and pursuing the call of God or pursuing a career. For some of you, you knew the Lord had brought you together with a spouse. But in order for your marriage to work, you had to leave and follow them. And it was an act of faith and hopefully not an act of rebellion. But I will tell you that stepping and walking and moving forward in faith is oftentimes considered risky by others and maybe even risky by us. But I would remind us here this morning, if it's the Lord that's leading us forward, he's going to work everything out. And if it's the Lord that is directing you, in fact, I might just ask, have, has anybody besides me found out that it didn't make much sense on paper, but I just trusted him and followed him and, and allowed him to lead me. And I, there, were way, there, there, were, there were along the way some naysayers and some people who said, you're crazy. I, I can remember a time in my life when someone close to me said, you better forget ministry. I said, I really feel like God's called me. And they were one of the closest people in my life. And they said, you better learn money makes the world go round, buddy. To which I had to rebuttal, no, God makes the world go round. And I have found, and many in this room have found, it wasn't always easy. But, but he's proved that if I will step in faith, he will in fact be with me. I, I, I wonder if anybody in the balcony could testify to that right now. There were seasons in your life that didn't make sense, but you look back and you recognize he was with me the whole time. He was with me in the loss. He was with me in the trial. He was with me when I stepped out. He was with me when I left that city. He was with me when I walked through that job. He was with me when they fired me. He was with me when they abandoned me. He was with me when I didn't get the raise. He was with me when I did get the raise. He was with. He was with me. Elbow your neighbor, tell him he is with you. Question is, are you with him? What I don't want to do is go wherever I want expecting him to be in company. I want to make sure that I'm doing what he's asking. It's been a lot of years wandering. It's been a lot of years in turmoil. It's been a lot of confusing time. And I would make this statement because I really felt in prayer that someone needed to hear this specifically today. Our past failures promote a lack of of faith and sure doubt to make us weary of ever trying again. It's our past failures. You know, if we're not careful, the wilderness can become home. We don't know how to get out, but we know how to stay safe within. In fact, we can live so long we'll die in the wilderness. 
There are places in Scripture where it was the woods who killed the men, where it was the consuming of the forest and the treacherous uh, traversing of the forest and the wood itself. But, but we can live a life that is so comfortable in the wilderness and, and even under the keeping of God. But I would tell you, I do not want to allow past failures or past mistakes to be what dictates whether or not I move forward in the promise and the provision of God. And I would speak to every lady and every man who has ever failed before and every time you try to move forward, the devil is the master of calling that thing to the witness stand and reminding you of what you did when you were 21 or reminding you of what you did when you were 43 or reminding you of what you said or what you drank or what you snort, reminding you of that life that nobody else knows about. But, but but if God knows, man, I need to tell somebody this. If God knows, and he knows everything, he knows everything. If God knows, and you have repented, and God has still got a promise in your heart, then what you did back then has got to stop disqualifying you. Yeah, but he keeps bringing it up. It's because he doesn't want you to move forward. The enemy's number one objective is to keep us from moving forward. You just be a pew dweller. You just be a Sunday morning only saint. You just be the kind of person that claps every now and then, but you go through the motions. And I'm preaching on this Sunday morning in January that there are people under the sound of my voice because the Lord already told me you'd be here. You're under the sound of my voice and there are Old failures that are disqualifying your future momentum. And I've come to tell you that's a lie from hell. It is not the truth of God. Otherwise, you would not have that promise locked up inside of you. Come on, if you're called to be a teacher, then get on fire and be a teacher for the kingdom of God. Quit being passive in your worship. Quit being passive in your response. If you are called to the promised land, then quit laying around in the wilderness acting like this is as good as it gets. There's a promised land just over Jordan and you got a hammock in the trees. You're just laying in the trees. He's told you this is all you can get. You need to take the hammock down and tell the enemy, I'm tired of you reminding me of where I was. I wish somebody get in your mouth. I'm about to tell the devil where I'm going. Since he keeps telling me where I've been, I'm ready to testify about where I'm go. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. Oh, I wish you would praise God in the house. Come on, let's just give him praise. We were singing about him being our king. Let's let him know that's how we feel. Joshua said, then let's move. Got a word from God. And what does he call them to do? Consecrate. You cannot move forward minus consecration. Old hurts can stay buried. And I'm a firm believer. You better be careful to pull out from under the blood. 
and try to use against someone what God has already forgiven them of. Mm-hmm. I was with somebody not long ago, middle of a debate, and the person pulled out this old thing. When they said it, I went, Ooh. Is that true? No, I didn't ask, is that right? Is that juicy gossip? Is that some good stuff I didn't know about? You know what I did? I said, wait a minute. If God has already forgiven them of that. I'm just going to say this right now, and it's true. If God has already forgiven them and they're living a repentant life and you choose to continue to use that as ammunition, then you're closer to the devil in this argument than you are. He said, we got to sanctify ourselves. We got to consecrate ourselves. That's why this will always be a church that preaches repentance. God, forgive me of every wrong thought. Forgive me of every wrong action. Forgive me. If I've seen things that were wrong, forgive me. If I've heard things that were wrong, forgive me. If I've said things that were wrong, forgive me. If I got anything in my heart, forgive me. But part of what I've got to consecrate is forgive me for acting like this was ever going to be me doing it anyway. Forgive me for being so egotistical that somewhere along the way I thought, well, the only way this will happen is if I get across the Jordan and I, I don't think I can get across Jordan and I don't think I can fight against the Canaanites and I don't think that I and I and I and I. Part of my consecration has to get back to the place where I say this has never been about my might. This has never been about my power. This has never been about my ability. My ability to sing well or teach well or lead well or give well. This has never been about that. And Joshua calls the assembly together and there is a sanctifying and there is a consecrating. And I will tell you that's exactly what we've been doing. 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've had people reaching out to me, feeling better since you've been off media for the week. Some are very thankful that you're done with that. Some are moving forward and going to keep it going. But there are people all over this room that God has begun to speak to you in a fresh way over the last week because you've tuned some of the mess out and tuned him in. I'm going to tell you right now, if I, get the, if I get the decision just at face value to hear from Hollywood or hear from God, now I'm not... If anybody in this room was, would just slid over, even if you don't want to, you would know the right answer. Oh God. I want to hear from God. But here's the truth right now. If we are going to hear from God, we have got to consecrate ourselves. We've got to be willing to push some things aside. We've been pushing media aside for the last week. We're, we're here we are going into the next week. We're, we're starting to push some delicacies away. Ooh. Just be honest. Where are my people that eat too much ice cream? Raise your hand along with me. Don't let me feel isolated in this room. Anybody in here be honest. You know you have a donut problem. It's a registered thing. You have a donut issue. How about dessert of any kind? You know you have dessert every day. I'm setting you up. I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm getting you ready. Because the next one's about to hit a bunch of people. How many in this room? You know you got a coffee problem. You, you, I knew I felt a witness in this room. So what is this about? What is it that we're trying to do? We're trying to say there are things in my life that are regular. And my flesh, my flesh wants them and is used to them. 
But for a little season of time, I'm picking whatever that thing is. And I'm saying this week, this week, I bet, it, I, I bet since this is spiritual, you won't even get a craving. <laughs> Somebody said, I think I'll be fine though because I prayed about it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. By about Monday afternoon. Didn't even know you were addicted. Pushing those things away. He said, we got to sanctify ourselves. And I will tell you, we need to be sanctified. We need to be consecrated in this hour. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, pastor. What are you, what are you, what are you saying to us? You're saying that we can't eat donuts. I'm, eat whatever you want. Drink whatever you want. But somehow this week, show God. I'm telling my flesh who's boss. I'm telling, I'm telling my flesh who's boss. I'm pushing some things away. Why? I'm getting my mind state. How many remember that song? Woke up this morning with my mind state. Said I woke up this morning with my mind state. What would happen if a thousand apostolics in downtown Indianapolis would wake up on Monday morning and say, I know there's a lot of things to do today, but I got my mind on Jesus. I got my mind on what he's trying to do in our church. I got my mind on what he's trying to do in my family. But how many know what he's trying to do in our church and what he's trying to do in your family has to start with what's he trying to do in your life? What is he trying to do in me? In order for Joshua to get them on board, they had to get on board one at a time. And here's the truth of it. Brother John, you can't make up my mind for me, and I can't make up your mind for you. But if you'll make up your mind, it might motivate me to make up my mind. And, and if we'll make up our mind, it, it might motivate somebody in this section to make up the... And if a few people in this... If you'll make up your mind, it might motivate a few people in... It's happening right now. People all over this room are starting. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm making up my mind that I'm going to move forward in the things of God. And they make a, they make a clarion call. We're not going without the ark. Guys, can you, can you help me? Strapping young lads, as it were. Don't, don't go too fast. They decided we, we, we're, we're not going without the ark, which was the representation of the presence of God. Right? Can't do it without the presence of God. Let me ask even a, a question to us. Why would we try to do it without the presence of God? Come here, boys. Look at them carrying the IBC table from IBC. So good. Just stand right there. I know it's not that heavy. Stand right there. The decree comes out like this. Here's what's going to happen. Let all the people know 
They're going to ease into the water. Now it's going to be a little tough. You're, when I tell you to, what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to walk across this pulpit and you're going to go down those stairs together and you're going to ease into the water. We're going to pretend. pretend imagination. We're going to pretend that the river's flowing down here. Because in the Pentecostal church, there ought to be a river in the altar. We're going to pretend, okay? But the Lord has given Joshua a word. In order for this to work, the priests are going to take the ark into the water. And I've got to, I've got to tell you, my mind immediately... Went back to this other book, this book of Exodus. Because the Bible says in Exodus 14, verse 16, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea, this is about the Red Sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Maybe your mind doesn't work like mine, but the first place my mind goes when I'm reading Joshua is, wait a minute. Moses was so powerful that he just had to just lift that rod, lift that hand. There they went. The waters begin to part. But here for Joshua, Joshua tells the priest, you're going to go for a walk into the water. Trust me. <laughs> It'll part. Trust me. Now, if I'm you and I'm one of the children that's watching this, I'm watching as they're walking across with that ark. Here we go, boys. Come on. Because we're not leading the presence of God, it's leading us. That was the statement here. We're not leading. Now the Bible says, Paul's right here. The Bible says that it was during harvest time and it was normal that the banks would be overflowing during harvest. Now, now we can take that as that's exciting. Woo, let's preach about the banks are overflowing. That's intimidating. That means the water is higher than ever before. Any time of the year. It's not, couldn't you let us part during shallow season? <laughs> Could have got your timing better. Tell me you've never felt that way. God, you could have got your timing better on this one. But the banks are overflowing and it's, it's crashing up over the banks. And here we've got the priests on a mission. You just carry the ark and they're walking towards it and all the people are watching. They're about to get wet. And there's still some of those people clinging to those old stories saying, I bet, I bet the water's going to part. Watch before their foot ever, ever touches the water. Watch. I heard how it worked with Moses. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And they, they move towards the edge of the water. And there's a, there's a group that's hanging on to they're not even going to get wet until their feet start splashing into the water. Go ahead. Now their ankles and their shins and their knees... And they're carrying the ark and they got it up on. 
and they're bearing it out into the middle of the. Now, this is not symbolism. We're not trying to say IBC is the ark of the. I don't want anybody to <laughs> get right there to the middle, boys, and then stay. The Bible says once their souls, once their souls, S O L E S, once their souls got to that place and they got positioned with the presence of God, that water began to hold up and that flow began to dissipate. And the water level went from here down. It got down as low as their knees. And then it got down as low as their shins. And the people are standing on the sideline and they're waiting. And before long, it's at their ankles. And then it's down to the bottom of their sandals. And before long, there's about to be a march, Brother Massengale. And the people are about to walk over across dry ground. It's going to be just like that Exodus occurrence. But it's going to look a little bit different from the beginning. It, it's not going to look the same. Lest anybody ever think if it doesn't happen the same way, it's not the same God. It was the same God for a new situation in a new day and in a new hour. Woo, man, I feel something coming on me right now. It wasn't going to look the same, but it was still going to be the same God. It wasn't going to be that old... Where's Moses? Where's the rod? To which Joshua was going to say, where's the faith to just walk into the river? Where's the faith just to walk into the river? But once they walked down into the river and the river started backing up, the people all had to look and say, surely the presence of the Lord is with us. Surely the Lord has spoke to Joshua. Surely the Lord is doing this on our behalf. And people begin to file in over through that dry ground. And I, you, this is just the way my mind works when I read the scripture because I see them by the masses moving down through the dry riverbed and they're looking and seeing that the river's dried up and all of a sudden it's, it's parched soil down below their feet and their little dust under their sandals. How did it dry out so quickly? But at least for the first several that walked by, all the priests got wet feet. Hmm. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, for being willing to wade into it so that I could have this experience. Thanks for being willing to get the presence of God into position so that we can have what we need to have in a breakthrough. The Lord spoke to me in prayer in my home, in my place of devotion for some people in this house. He told me to walk in here and ask you, are you willing to wade in even though it looks overwhelming so that the people following you can actually have a breakthrough experience in their life? Are you willing I know your children don't even seem like they want to live for God, but here's my question. Are you willing to wade in through the uncomfortable? The Lord told me specifically, I would talk to people in this room this morning that are battling fear. And I've come to tell you it's time to wade right into the middle of fear and face it head on and tell fear it is not your God. The God that is on your side is going to give you strength. But wait a minute. What about when my feet get wet? What about if my knees get wet? What about, what, 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 wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, why isn't the water receding? Why, why isn't the water parting? I promise you this. If you will step out in the word of faith and you will let the presence of God be your guide, there is not a river that is so great. There is not an obstacle that is so strong. There is not a fear that is so encompassing. There is not a discouragement that is so overwhelming. There is not an addiction that is so powerful. There is not a generational curse that is so unbreakable. 
I just touched something. I just touched something there in the spirit, so I'm going to say it again. There is not a generational curse that is so unbreakable that you cannot be the generation, that you cannot be the... I know that they might have died in the wilderness, but you're not dying in this wilderness. You are not dying this way, and it might cause you to get into... Wait a minute, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a priest. You are a son and a daughter of God, and what the priest needed in the Ark of the Covenant was fulfilled in Matthew through Jesus Christ himself, for he is Emmanuel, God with us. What they carried on the ark, I carry inside of me. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Boy, I feel like preaching to somebody. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to wade into the water. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to wade into that doubt. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to wade in against that fear. You ought to wade in against that. Throw your hands towards heaven, if you will, all over the room. Come on, last week it was the 10. It's 40 years later. Now it's the water. There's always going to be something intimidating you. Oh, I need some man. I know somebody I'm talking to right now. It's out of your character. It's even out of your character. But you feel prompted to get out of your seat and walk down to this altar. I'm talking to you right now. I'm giving you confirmation in the Holy Ghost. You need to step out of your pew and say, I don't care if I get my feet wet. I don't care if the enemy makes me feel intimidated. I got a word from God that this water's going to roll back. 